0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Wednesday Afternoon with Mackling and McGarry. I am the McGarry
1: half of that. That makes me the Mackling half. Greg, how are you, sir? I'm good, and I I know it's Wednesday today. I wrote it down. (laughs) It's like I'll never forget the time seeing John Mellencamp at the Winnipeg Arena. I think he was John Mellencamp. I think he dropped the cougar by then. And on the back of his guitar in great big letters was Winnipeg. So he really? knew, yeah, so he could keep track of where he was. Can you imagine all the concerts that you do if you're a, uh, a performer like John Mellencamp traveling all over North America? It'd be difficult to know which city you were in uh, night after night, so I don't feel as bad about not knowing the day of the week, necessarily.
0: Well, that reminds me of The Simpsons, clip. You can tie everything, almost everything to a Simpsons clip of Aerosmith where they're performing, and he, Stephen Tyler comes out and says, Hello, St. Louis! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well done. Hey, uh, we're going to get decidedly serious in just a few moments. We'll set up the rest of the show, including a conversation we have to have It a uh, revelation that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is seriously pondering a run at the presidency for the United States of America in 2020.
0: The Brahma Bull in the White House laying the smackdown on all the Rudy Poos across the table.
1: Could be very uh, fascinating. Uh, several years as we make our way, as if the last uh, 109 days haven't been fascinating enough. Uh, it could be a fascinating three years or so as we enter the next election cycle. We'll also uh, visit uh, with the man who had a vision for making small business and small towns more accessible, and we'll visit with a Manitoban who's doing something about it. Uh, but before we do that, we want to talk about a story that I know many of you have already heard about. We've been telling you about it in the news the top of the hour and the bottom of the hour mounties are investigating after a man allegedly tried to lure a nine-year-old girl out of her house in Steinbach.
0: rcmp say the man believed to be in his 40s or 50s may have followed the girl home from school he allegedly stood on her yard with a camera before asking her to unlock the doors of the house and come with him police are now trying to identify this man and asking Anyone who knows anything to come forward. The man was wearing a red T-shirt, jeans, and black shoes. He was driving an older brown or tan car with four doors.
1: Joining us now from Steinbach is the mother of four, Julie Julie Pert, including the little girl whose uh, story has been been shared uh, across social media, mainstream media, and now the RCMP are investigating this. And Julie, maybe in your own words you can talk about Uh, your reaction, and how your daughter approached you about this and how it all went down.
2: Sure. Um, I had come home, um, and she was telling me about um, she had come home after school. Um, She sat down on our couch. Uh, She was there for about two minutes before she had realized that somebody was at our front living room window. Um, This man actually stepped in my front garden to get like really close to the living window. Um, He was snapping pictures of her. Um, he was telling her to open up the door. He told her that he wanted to come in so he could be safe with her. Um, he was trying to bribe her with McDonald's. Um, he told her that he wanted to talk to her. She said, no, you know, like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't know you. I don't trust you. I'm not letting you in. Um, she said uh, she had asked him what he wanted to talk to her about. And he has said that he wants to talk to her about stuff that she's never done before. And just to open up and let him in
0: julie how could um how could she hear him uh, was the what's the i guess what was the window uh set up in terms of where she was standing
2: it's like a big like it's just like a plain like solid like window there's no openings no nothing so i mean he was close enough to my window to be able to speak through the glass Do you know what i mean like he was speaking loud enough for her to hear him through the glass and she was speaking close enough that he could hear her so, like I said, there's no open windows, no nothing. Like, he was actually just talking to her through the window, and he was actually, I guess, like, loud enough so she could hear. Um, there was no way that he was able to, like, come in that way. So that was also a very big bonus. But, uh, yeah, he was very persistent trying to get her to come.
1: Your, your daughter must have been horrified when, when you got home. And, and was, she, was she home alone? And can you explain that? how that all worked out?
2: Yeah, um, my husband was at work. Um, I was actually on my way back home from taking my youngest son to the doctor's. He's been sick for the last week. So um, I was on my way home. Like, I was close to being home, and and her brothers are, like, minutes behind her. So she came home. She locked the door behind her, and her brothers come home usually between, like, I'd say maybe five to seven minutes behind her because they go to a different school. So in that matter of her being home and just before they got home is when this guy took it upon himself to try and pull an abduction or whatever. Um, she had noticed that he actually had left his car running with both passenger doors open. Um, the back and the front passenger doors were left open while the car was running. And a car had turned down our street and I guess it had spooked him. So he had run to his car, he shut the back door, and then he jumped through the passenger side over the console, I guess, and into the driver's seat, and then he took off.
1: That's an incredibly vivid recollection of this story. She must have been horrified.
2: She was very scared, but at the same time, she was very brave, and I couldn't be more proud of her. I am very glad that I have these talks with my kids continuously. And when I say continuously, it's, it's pretty much a daily thing. Don't talk to strangers. You know, um, don't ever accept a ride from anybody. Don't let people in the house. I don't care who it is knocking at the door. I don't care. You know, don't open it. Don't answer it. Unless there's somebody home, like right there with you, that second to open up the door. Don't, you know. And again, normally I am home. I, I normally am, you know. But yesterday I I don't know, like I few minutes behind.
0: How um what's what's your street like? Is it just sort of like a regular suburban street where houses are side like right side by side?
2: Yeah, like I have neighbors like on either side of me, and even across the street from me. It's a fairly quiet street. Like I mean, it's it's I guess one of the busier side streets, but you know, nothing where like there's constant 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 cars or anything. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I kind of figured, and especially at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, with people getting off work, getting off school, somebody would have said something or saw something or, you know, seen this guy was out of place, but nobody saw anything.
1: So what now? How quickly uh, did RCMP uh, respond, and did they, you know, uh, they're obviously taking
2: this very seriously. Yes, they have been taking this very seriously, and I couldn't be more appreciative of RCMP here. Um, they were out here within a matter of 20 minutes of calling them and they were out here to talk to my daughter and, you know, really reassure her that, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay and get the story from her and, and, you know, just let her know, you know, like you did the right thing. Not a lot of kids in your position would have done that, so you did the right thing. And like, we're all very proud of you.
0: Well, Julie, just hang on one moment because we do have some audio from RCMP Staff Sergeant Harold Laninga on this particular situation.
3: The young girl had been walking home from school with a friend, observed the vehicle um,
1: that had been following her or she believed that possibly was following her. Um, she got home quicker than probably normally she would have, locked herself in the door, and observed that the male uh, in the same vehicle that she believed had been following her pulled into her driveway the fellow actually exited the vehicle, uh, took a picture of her, um, you know, came up to the front windows, tried to talk to her through the window, offered her
3: several enticements, asking her to come outside and, and things like that. Um, she declined, which is uh, great to hear that she didn't decline. At some point, another
4: vehicle went by. He uh, He became... You know, concern, I guess, for himself, and he left the scene then at that point, or he left her residence.
0: Now, Julie, very much so in that particular clip, RCMP Staff Sergeant Harold Leninga sort of repeating some of the things that you had to say, but in sort of police speak. But the reason I wanted you to hear it that way is I wanted to know what your reaction is to hearing a police officer talking about your family like that.
2: Okay. Terrifying. It's honestly terrifying. It's a smaller community. I mean, it's growing rapidly, I guess, but it, it is a smaller community. Um, it is a very tight-knit community. And, you know, I mean, really, people walk out the door and people know you. Um, me, I have kind of been, you know, to myself, and I haven't really met anybody in the last year that I've been here, but this has definitely opened up my eyes to a lot of people in my community and has connected me with a lot of people in my community. So it makes me feel a lot safer knowing that we have, you know, the police, the RCMP, we have neighbors, like everybody, everybody's on the lookout for this guy.
1: Have there been concerns in the last little while or at all about anything like that or anything very similar to this or even a fraction of this, if I can quantify uh, an an episode, uh, as uh, your daughter has described it, uh, about this sort of thing happening in your community?
2: Uh, There wasn't anything to that extreme. Um, What I do know is I received a letter from two schools, like, because my boys go to one and she goes to a different. So I did receive a letter from both schools stating that there was some suspicious activity and suspicious people kind of around and to kind of keep your eyes open. And, and, you know, and like, I thought I was keeping my eyes open, but I guess obviously not wide enough. But believe me, this, this definitely opened my eyes a lot wider.
1: Uh, now, being a parent, I know that there'd be uh, a little bit of guilt uh, running around in in your mind uh, today. How are you dealing with that?
2: I am just, all, all I'm doing is honestly, I'm just trying to get it out there. I'm trying to get it out there that, you know, this happens. It happens everywhere. It doesn't matter where you live, if it's a small community or not. Like, this kind of stuff happens, and we all need to be... Um, talking to our kids and, and telling our kids, you know, like, be safe. We have to tell them the reality. Like, we can't sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? Um, Moving forward from this, like, you know, we're going to be setting up cameras. We're going to be having more of a lockdown on the house. You know, Um, we've made plans now. I'm connected with neighbors who have offered their homes as safe homes for my kids just in case that ever happens. Or, you know, if you can't be there right that second, have no hesitation to call me and I'll pick them up, you know, which is absolutely amazing. It makes me feel a lot better knowing that, you know, my kids are going to be a lot more safe. And, and that we have these plans in place and that the community has come together as a whole. And, and everybody's really watching out.
0: Julie, is it normal for your daughter to be home alone like that? And I know I think you said she was home for just a few minutes, but is that uh, typical?
2: No, it's not usually. Like, it doesn't usually happen that way. Like, I have classes in the afternoon. And for the most part, like, I'm either, like, a minute behind her or, like, you know, always before her otherwise you know and then she's got her brothers who walk through the door like within a matter of five to seven minutes after her right so i mean everybody's home like right then and there and again i'm usually home after school if my son was sick my husband was at work and i didn't make it quite on time
1: i guess you're relieved uh that your daughter has a key to get in the house
2: (laughs) yeah Well, I'm relieved that she's uh she had the, yeah she had the safe place to come into and and then she had her big brothers falling right behind you know they came in the house and you know consoled her and and made her feel better and everybody stuck together and you know everybody was good until I got home and we all sat down and talked and talked to her dad cops were called like I said, they responded quickly and and just the outpouring of support and the kind words and everybody just being more alert is. Is just it's so overwhelming. It's it, it's wonderful,
1: Julie. Uh, part of my job is to ask hard questions at times, and this is going to be one that's gonna gonna sound insensitive. But you know, there are going to be people that are going to be suspicious about this story, and that 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 story is, is, sounds too sensational to be to be true.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I was uh, kind of blown away by the things that my daughter was telling me. But again, um, my daughter's has never lied to me about something anyway. Like, I mean, like, Oh, you know, mom, I didn't have that candy. Ha ha. You know, or stuff like that. But I mean, she, she's an amazing person. Like she's, she's so smart. Like she's, she's doing well academically. She's never been suspended. You know, she's never been, like she's never lied. She doesn't get herself into trouble. She's a very well-liked person. You know, she has a lot of friends out here. She's a social butterfly, you know, like she's got a really good personality. Being nine, yeah, you could, you know, twist things out of perspective, but the way that she's so constant with everything that she's saying, and it's all the same stuff, like, and she said it over and over again, you know, like, and she's terrified. Something happened. I know something happened, and she's not going to lie to me about something like that.
1: I appreciate you answering that question with such uh, poise and with such candor. It's a question that uh, needs to be asked because uh, there are are several sides to every story and we we appreciate you uh, answering the question the way you did and and making some time for us today. Julie, as I mentioned to you on the phone before we came on the air as a parent, uh, I'm I'm shaken listening to your story and appreciate the fact that you're so dedicated to sharing the story with so many people so that we're all aware of of what's going on going on
2: well i appreciate the fact that you guys have phoned me and are really getting this word out um i can't express my gratitude enough um you guys are all helping me feel a lot better and a lot more safe at being home now that i have like so many people just keeping an eye out and my encouraging words to parents honestly would be seriously when your kids get home hug them tight love them up and tell them how much you love them and let them know that there are these dangers out there. Have these talks with your kids, because if they're ever put in a situation, you know what I mean, they need to know how to handle it.
1: Julie Pert, thank you very much for this, and uh, all our best uh, to your daughter and all your kids and, and your entire family. We appreciate this in this difficult time.
2: Thank you so much.
0: All right, Julie Pert, thank you very much once again for taking the time to talk to us here on 680 CJOB.
1: We are going to have a look at your forecast coming up next. We were having that conversation with Jeff Currier just before we came on the air, Brett McGarry, about you know uh, writers and journalists and, well, just really individuals standing by the courage of their convictions. It can't be easy for Julie Pert to be speaking to the media the way she is today. And then we ask her a question about, well, you know, are you sure your kid's telling you the truth? Uh, And she answered that question uh, exactly the way I would hope someone would be able to answer it when asking it.
0: Well, and another thing by putting herself out there is she could be opening herself up to criticism of what was, I think we actually got a text message along those lines. That's why kids shouldn't be alone until they're 12 years old. That's why I asked her, is this typical? And she said no. It was that unusual circumstance? And we're also, she's putting herself out there for other criticisms from people. Any anytime there's a situation like this, there's always the people who rally around her or rally around. Parents. And that'll be a majority of people, right? But then there's always the, those who decide that no, it's time to, to criticize. And there are others who just say, listen, like you never know. What could happen in the blink of an eye? We had one text message from somebody saying it only takes uh, a second to drown, to start a fire, or heaven forbid, get kidnapped. So it's just, I guess it's a reminder to that vigilance is always top of mind for parents. It I, should don't,
1: be. I think you might have been in another room or another studio yesterday. At the end of the day, something came across my Facebook page, this was at the end of our day yesterday, and it was a video of a parent, a dad at the park with his son playing on a cell phone. But what it was, was a setup. And someone went and abducted the kid with the mother's knowledge because the mother had a feeling that when the dad took the kid to the park, he wasn't paying attention. It took less than 15 seconds to coax the kid off the slide and away from the park. Really? With the promise of candy. No yelling, no screaming, no stranger danger, nothing from the little kid. The dad was sitting on the park bench and the kid had gone up a slide, down a slide, uh, no more than about 30 feet away. And this guy abducted the kid, got him away from the slide, no problem uh, for everyone to see on Facebook. And uh, I, I gasped because I knew it can happen. Way quicker than you can imagine. It's super rare, but it does happen. And why would you take any chances? I think that's the bottom line with stuff like this is cover all the bases best you can as often as you can.
0: Global News at 130 is up next.
5: If you smell what the rock is cooking.
0: I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling and perhaps that is the music that will one day herald the president of the United States of America. Because Dwayne The Rock Johnson says running for president is a real possibility. Can you imagine that, Greg? I mean, he is the people's champion.
1: Of course he is. So perhaps he will soon be the people's president. Do you have this in his own voice? I don't. Do you have audio? The The Rock sat down with Michael Strahan for an interview with uh, Good Morning America that the idea of politics being a part of his future is, well, let's let The Rock say it. The social media where
4: one post caught
5: my eye. You shared on on one of your posts about being president. How real was that? Ah, yeah. Well, it's very real. The idea of
3: me being president one day has become a legit thing to some people. As time goes on, we take the temperature of the American people and if it is a overwhelming,
5: positive, strong, we want you to run for president. <laughs> and if I felt that I can step up to the plate and become a tremendous leader and make a real difference and make
6: change, I would do it. I tell you right now, that sounded so presidential. I'm like, <laughs> put the ballot out there.
1: So Strahan uh, has uh, you know declared that he'd vote for Johnson. Will anybody else?
0: Are you asking me? I'm
1: asking you. Will anybody else? I
0: think he would get a lot of support. Now, because when you have somebody like Donald Trump running, who essentially was practically a circus act, right, with his various television shows, with The Apprentice and Celebrity Apprentice and all the the things that he's done through the years, I don't know why it's outside the realm of possibility, especially when you go back, I mean... Just think of the line in Back to the Future where Marty McFly goes back in time and meets Doc Brown and Doc Brown's quizzing him on what's going on in the world in nineteen eighty five, and he says, Who's the president of the United States? Ronald Reagan, the actor. It's it happened already. It's happened before. So I why not why could it not happen again?
1: How about a better example than Ronald Reagan? Maybe one that's a little bit closer to the wrestling world. Here's from November fourth. 1998.
5: One of the races we watched very closely last night was for governor in Minnesota. A lot of people thought it amusing that Jesse the body Ventura, former Navy SEAL, former professional wrestler, had thrown a monkey wrench into traditional politics. But there was something serious going on today. The quintessential outsider is governor-elect Ventura. ABC's Jim Williams reports in Minnesota. The election of Jesse Ventura has either thrilled the people of Minnesota. Kind of amazed, I uh, voted for him myself, but I didn't actually think he'd get in. Or left them embarrassed. I went to bed shocked, I woke up more shocked. But everyone here is surprised. Look out. Few took him seriously when he announced he would run for governor on the Reform Party ticket.
7: I only answer to the people of Minnesota.
5: The state has a long tradition of serious politics and earnest politicians like his opponents, the Republican mayor of St. Paul and the Democratic state attorney general with the most famous last name in Minnesota, Humphrey. They went after each other and virtually ignored Ventura. You have a spending promise for everyone. No, for everywhere you from, from go again. Okay. But Ventura proved he was no joke. His simple message, smaller government and lower taxes. When you say the word investment to me, somebody's reaching into my wallet in the private sector. He impressed younger voters who turned out in record numbers to support him. Now comes the hard part for Ventura actually governing. Though he once served as a suburban mayor, he has no experience working with a large legislative body.
1: So that from Jim Williams, ABC News, back from November 4th, I guess probably the 5th, the next day, 1998.
0: Jesse, the body of Ventura, I seem to recall him referring to himself as Jesse the mind Ventura while he was going through that process. And so, yeah, it's it's already it has happened before where a professional wrestler with tons of charisma can step in front of the crowd. And I think that's just, that's, I don't know that I want to say more than half the battle, but if you can win the crowd then you could so easily win and the rock is probably the when they it's not an exaggeration when he says he's the most electrifying man i can just picture him stepping up in front of the the crowd in front of the people at the white house and saying the
5: rock is the great one and the rock is the most electrifying man in sports entertainment today
0: i he had I, he was my biggest, or I was his biggest fan uh, while he was a big star in world wrestling
1: entertainment. But now, so, now you could call him the biggest star on the planet, though. He yeah. could be one of the most recognizable faces anywhere in the world. I have no idea what his politics would be, except he does talk about the ban. Uh, the uh, President Trump's uh, initial immigration b- ban. He didn't like that at all. He
0: says, I disagree with it. I completely disagree with it. I believe in our national security to the core, but I don't believe in a ban that stops immigrants. I believe in inclusion. Our country was built on that, and it continues to be made strong by that. I don't want to sound like I'm endorsing it. I mean, jokes aside, I love The Rock. I don't, I would have to see what his politics are before he decides to step in. But in this day and age where if somebody like Donald Trump can get in, why not? There's also, there was talk of Oprah Winfrey.
1: Still talk of Oprah Winfrey joining the race for 2020.
0: That would also make things very interesting. As you pointed out earlier, as if things haven't been interesting enough. The, The mere thought of either Oprah Winfrey or Dwayne The Rock Johnson trying to get involved but then that if that were the case if mm-hmm. Oprah actually makes a run or if Dwayne the Rock Johnson makes a run that would leave me wondering is the day of a politician being president of the United States is that day done like is that would that become the next trend that it's not about people don't want politicians anymore they want celebrities
1: Well ask the people of California how it worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger he was very popular as governor the timing was terrible for him cuz California was in a terrible economic situation, uh, but he still keeps his nose dirty in terms of politics these days. He's speaking about the cuts uh, towards the breakfast programs and the food programs and schools. He's been very vocal about that. We want to let you know something. Let's tie it all together. Okay. Tie it all together. 680 CJOB welcoming Chris Jericho. 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 The worlds of Jericho with special guests Cyrus and Lance Storm. Friday, August 25th at Club Region Event Center. Tickets are on sale Thursday, May 11th at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We have, uh, we have a special password for you to get uh, tickets. Pre sale from today until 10 p.m. The password is Jericho. So if you go to. Um If you go to uh, Ticketmaster, you can get your tickets there. Uh, And the early ticket code is
0: Jericho. Once again, that is Friday, August 25th, Club Regent Event Center, the words of Jericho. And we actually have tickets to give away a little bit later on. Not right now, not not right now. I blocked the lines, can't get through. (laughs) Not right now. We're going to give some tickets away a little bit later on with some more Chris Jericho-related trivia Got a text here at 204 780 6868 on the subject of Dwayne The Rock Johnson contemplating the run, a run at the White House. <laughs> the text says, Geez, who's next? Pee Wee Herman? These delusional celebrities seeking the highest office in the world is frightening.
1: And this, uh, actually, this text takes the words right out of my mouth. I was pondering, sharing this thought, but. A listener did it for me. Celebrities as politicians, you don't have to look too far at Ottawa. Trudeau is more of a celebrity. We have a a, a celebrity as a politician. Of course, the text message, the wording isn't exactly right there. (laughs) Trudeau is more of a celebrity. We have a special than a politician. Anyway, that's the way it came across. You know what he's trying to say or she's trying to say. Trudeau is more of a celebrity than he is an actual politician
0: prime minister selfie prime minister hair i've heard some call him uh prime minister sexy pants whatever you want yeah he's uh people like prime the prime minister in that celebrity sense so uh there's something happening this afternoon on this very radio station and we it involves an emergency so we're going to talk about that with the province
1: of manitoba after your forecast which is up next. So we're going to hear a nasty noise or a signal or some sort of discombobulation of what normally takes place on the airwaves around one fifty-five this afternoon. So in less than 10 minutes from now, we thought we'd give you a little bit of advanced warning of that and also let you know why exactly it's happening.
0: We have someone on the... Line with us. His name is Mike Gagne. He is the Director of Operations for the Manitoba Emergency Measures Organization. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. And I guess, uh, you know, we we weren't really thinking about this, but the pro- one of our, uh, your boys of the province called and said, hey, you want to talk about this? So I guess tell us a little bit about first why we have these sort of emergency broadcast tests.
8: Uh, well, those tests are to in fact to to test the alert ready system to ensure that it it works as it should it allows the the broadcasters and those entities to ensure that their systems that they're mandated to have uh can hook in with the national public alerting systems uh uh you know push of these messages and and we can ensure that on our end those of us who are doing the alerts can can get the critical messages to the public in a timely manner, so they're scheduled a number of times throughout the year, and we're doing one during EP week for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah, EP week uh, standing for Emergency Preparedness Week, that and correct. that's yep. straight across the country. So under what circumstances would programming be interrupted with a signal like we're about to hear in about seven minutes' time?
8: So programming will be interrupted uh, you know, directly from our system for emergency messages that need to get out for things that are that are of a, a significant severity and urgency, so they have to be observed uh, and of, of a level of, of severity and urgency that require uh, interrupting broadcasts no matter what they are in order to get uh, critical messaging out. So those would be things like a serious hazardous materials uh, spill or, or uh, explosion or cloud of, uh, of, of dangerous gases or, or tornado or one of those types of events.
0: And the, is a, a weather event is typically, I would imagine, the most common reason why you would interrupt programming. Yeah. So
8: the most common reasons, you know, for us out here, will be severe weather such as tornadoes. Yeah.
1: Mike Gagne is director of operations, Manitoba Emergency Measures Organization.
0: Mike, uh, oftentimes, like I have, like many people do on their cell phones, some sort of a weather app. So right. typically, when there is an emergency broadcast, I also get a notification on my phone. Now, let's say, for example, it is, uh, as you pointed out, like a hazardous spill of some sort, so something that is not a weather event. Is there uh, an app or some sort of uh, service that I can subscribe to through the province to get a notification on my phone in the event that I am not near a radio or a television?
8: So some jurisdictions and some some of our communities in Manitoba, some smaller ones, in fact, actually have some apps that you can get. Uh for 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 them that you can subscribe to to get those types of alerts on your phone uh with a national public alerting system alert ready uh the crtc has just dictated that there will be a a wireless public alerting system requirement uh coming into force uh shortly i don't have those dates and times but i could get them get them for you so that this system then will be able to feed directly and and send uh, messages to people's uh, wireless devices so is this so different? That is on the horizon for us. Fantastic,
1: and and I think you know the more we use technology to our advantage in this way, the safer that we can all be. There's nothing worse than watching a news report and someone has driven their car into an area uh, where they're rolling the dice, right, as to whether or not it's safe. If you have an alert system, uh, and then you, you at least have all the information you need to make a decision on traveling and uh, making decisions that might not. Turn out for the best.
8: Yeah, definitely. This 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 sort of thing will will help you to some degree, but uh, we always have to remember, as individuals, we're responsible to uh, plan, prepare, and be aware. And that and that last part, being aware, we have to be aware of our surroundings and and those circumstances that could cause us issues. So, in 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 some of these problems, people find themselves in, there are other other means to 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 plan your day around those. Like you could look at uh, uh, the the current weather situation you can keep tracking those issues you can be aware of the the flooding situation in manitoba we have that we have roads that are closed and we have the the road road info system with the manitoba government and uh you can see you know the status of the roads and to plan your travel that way so definitely this these kind of systems will will be helpful for us but on the other hand there are other ways that people can gather that information and need to be aware because uh emergency preparedness starts with the individual and uh And those of us who are adults and capable need to look out for ourselves and our families and those around us. And that enables those of us in government who are in emergency management type jobs and and first responders and whatnot to to then look after those gaps and and look after uh, those issues that can't be normally dealt with by people uh, themselves as individuals and we can look after those that are vulnerable. So there's an individual responsibility that uh, these alerting systems will help enable but they don't uh, make up for it, if you know what I mean.
1: Mike, thank you so much for the insight on this. Emergency Preparedness Week is this week. It's well underway across our country, and in the next minute or so, uh, you're going to hear part of that emergency system uh, that's uh, called Alert Ready. It's uh, something that's being tested across Canada.
0: Mike, before we let you go, uh, when the system first launched a couple of years ago, I can't remember if it was two or three years ago now, there, I remember there being some problems with being able to understand the message that was coming through because the vocals were really sort of mumbly. Has uh, have all those kinks been worked out?
8: Um, a lot of those kinks have been worked out. So they've they've gotten uh, uh, higher standards for ensuring that the that, you know those voices come over and the, and the digital. Uh, the digital representation is, is better and it's more clear and there's better synchronization between uh, the information we're putting through text to speech uh, and that's being picked up by the broadcaster's works and those settings have been worked out. So I think you'll find by and large that there's a bit more clear and there's some protocols as to ensuring that place names are pronounced correctly because not, you know, not all of them would be, you know, easily gone from Texas to speech. So we in Manitoba have done a fair bit of work uh, with our partners to ensure that the, uh, those place names will be clear to those people who need to listen to them on the, on the radio or on television.
0: Mike Gagné, Director of Operations for the Manitoba Emergency Measures Organization. Thank you so much for your time today, Mike. No problem. Thank you. All right. Well that might go now. And yes, I remember when they
1: first Good st- for you for remembering that and asking that question because that was super frustrating for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, it would be this is a warning for partage library. <laughs> heading lie kill. I mean I'm just giving it I haven't that's not how it was, but it For all intents and purposes, it was pretty bad. It was
1: maybe less understandable than the way you just portrayed it, in fact. I knew the places you were mentioning and trying <laughs> to represent slash say. And uh, from from what I remember, quite often it was pretty frustrating to try and figure out what was going on.
0: Well, and in the, because there were some genuine situations where there were tornado warnings, mm-hmm. you can't have an emergency broadcast that is giving out Something that is an absolute emergency, like a tornado, but not know where what areas. I mean, clearly, if it's on the radio, it could be affecting your area. But if it's specific to whatever pocket of southern Manitoba you're in,
1: well, if all of a sudden you've gone from a from a, a watch to a warning situation, yeah, and clearly that uh, is a game changer. We are. Uh, I'm keeping my ears peeled. <laughs> for well, things, we're not going to hear it because we don't hear it. hear it, right? But the, do you guys hear it in there? And it's yeah, on right it now? Is it happening right now? Okay. Oh, So we're talking to ourselves. Well,
0: right now, and so now it's we're just talking to who are the, the five or six people listening to the podcast, right? Oh,
1: right, because, of course, uh, the podcast, you would not hear what's going on in the podcast. So right now, this signal, if you were listening live, uh, you would have heard this, but if you're listening in the future... Kind of funky, right?
0: (laughs) If you have downloaded, subscribed to the Mackling and McGarry podcast on iTunes or Google Play, then you're going to. Right now, you're listening to stuff that is not. And see, Greg's pointing at the television. Right now, it says, This is a test of the Alert Ready National Public Alerting System issued by the Manitoba Emergency Measures Organization. This is only a test. If this had been an actual emergency or threat, you would now hear instructions that would assist you to protect you and your family. This is only a test. No action is required. A message Francais suivra.
1: Well done. Merci beaucoup. We have uh, Global News and Weather next for you at the top of the hour with the one and only Brett McGarry. 206, Mackling McGarry with you until 4 o'clock, and it's uh, Julian Richard. Get you home safe and informed on the news. And uh, Brett, uh, it's easy to complain about problems. It's sometimes easy to identify them, but what's really difficult is is finding the fortitude and creating a solution to these problems. And we're gonna to talk to you about a foundation. It's called Stop Gap. And here's a little bit of background in audio form.
9: When Nancy comes to our school, we have some fun stuff that we do together. Usually people come
6: with her so they can carry her wheelchair up the step. It's not fair if she can't get everywhere where we can. We wanted to
9: help to make some things fair for her. When something is
7: unfair, you have to try to fix it. We did a like a nature walk around town. Lots of stores were not accessible. We sent them a letter and asked if they wanted a ramp. And Ezra's wrote back. We were excited because we really wanted everywhere to be accessible. It's not fair if places aren't accessible. One step is just the
9: same as fifteen steps. Fairness means accessibility for all.
7: It's just that simple.
9: Learn more at showgap.ca.
1: Thanks, kids. <laughs> What a great idea. And the founder, they referred to him at the beginning of the video, but I don't think we heard the audio on that because I uh, shortened it a little bit. Luke Anderson joins us from Toronto. He is the founder of the Stop Gap Foundation. And if you couldn't understand it in Kidspeak, speak, maybe we'll let Luke explain what StopGap is. And Luke, thanks for rearranging your schedule. I know you had other obligations at this time. We appreciate you uh, doing what you did so we could uh, hook up with uh, you and Dennis down and Carmen all at the same time. So what is StopGap?
4: I'm right on. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show, guys. That video is so heartwarming. Um, I invite everyone to hop on our website, stopgap.ca, to check it out uh, and check out the visuals because um, those voices came from kindergarten kids that, that I connected with last year. Uh, I visited their class, and I, I told them about my story and how I ended up in a world that is really not well-suited for someone that uses a wheelchair, and, and over time, I became increasingly frustrated with encountering barriers in, in my communities that I visited, um, not being able to access the spaces that I really wanted to get into and and so over time that frustration boiled over I, I recognized that nothing was being done here in Toronto and beyond uh, to remove the barriers that, that that were affecting me on a daily basis um, but I was also recognizing that that I wasn't the only one being affected by these barriers you know parents pushing strollers uh, delivery people uh, people with Temporary injuries due to uh, injury or due to uh, an illness or uh, maybe old age, um, and then you know what? By affiliation, everyone that might be accompanying someone from one of those groups, I you know I started to realize that we're all affected by by barriers in in our in our communities. So I wanted people to start talking about it, and and I wanted people to start thinking about about great ideas that could help solve these issues that, that, uh, again, weren't just affecting me or don't just affect me. And and that's what led us to our ramp project. And and so the ramp project, which the kindergarten kids helped take on last year, um, is a a program that allows businesses with a single-step storefront to get a colorful, deployable ramp um, with uh, our stopgap.ca logo stenciled on it to raise awareness about the issue and get people in the door. And and that's what Dennis is helping us out with in, in Winnipeg. So, yeah, super excited to uh, to be working with, with Dennis. In fact, Rick Mercer uh, called out uh, uh, Winnipeg for, for for not having um, uh, our program yet. And, and Dennis watched the episode and, and reached out. And, and uh, yeah, so proud and, and honoured to be working with Dennis and so many other uh, Champions like him in communities right across the country, bringing our messages and, and important, important projects to storefronts across Canada.
0: Well, and Dennis Magatu is also on the line, and he joins us to tell us about his involvement here. Dennis, uh, I guess, why don't we just keep it simple and say, where do you come in with StopGap?
10: All right, good afternoon, all. Um, like like uh, Luke said, I did see the episode on, on Rick Mercer, and I thought hey, that's a great idea. Let's see if we can make something happen in our communities here in southern Manitoba because stopgap uh, ramps are not in Manitoba as of yet. So uh, we look. I looked at it and then every year, our company, which is out of Winkler, uh, um, and we have a processing mill in Carmen, uh, every year we have a safety week where we focus on safety, the environment, and involves all of the employees. We hold seminars, we do presentations on different things like first aid nutrition, and we also have some team building activities and I thought, <clears throat> maybe this would be a great team building activity for our company and also something to to give back to the community of Carmen um, I took it to the uh to the management team to see if they thought maybe we could do something with with this. Uh, And it was decided that the company, SWM, we're purchasers of flax straw, and then we process it in Carmen. And they decided that we would supply all the labor and the material to build uh, these ramps. Um, So then we we chose to go to Carmen because most of the employees are from the town or that area and thought it would be a good project to promote some goodwill and become closer to maybe having a barrier-free community at Carmen.
1: I'm looking at the pictures here, outstanding work by your crew, and obviously these ramps are come in uh, def- different shapes and sizes as they're trying to uh, bridge uh, a different size or height of step, right, Dennis?
10: That's correct, yeah. So the first thing we do is we drive around the community, survey the stores, and then once we determine which store needed uh, the ramp, then we explained our project to the owners and uh Told them what we were doing, how the project worked, and then uh, all of them were quite receptive to the idea. So therefore, after they were receptive to it, then we went around, we measured all of that one step on the front of their store. So each one can, you know, each one is anywhere from an inch and a half to six and a half inch step. So each one is customized for each store. So it's not just a, a you know, a blanket. Uh, fix and then does it all so you have to there's quite a bit of work involved into into getting it the right way and how we do it and how we did it was with the help of luke and the foundation with advice and free resources um, provided to us from the foundation so um, that's and we ended up we're going to be putting out 13 ramps in the community of carmen tomorrow morning as a rollout
0: Luke, you mentioned that this is for single step storefronts, and when you mentioned that, that was a bit of an eye opener for me because for someone like me or for someone like Greg, a single step is is nothing, but for someone else, it could be everything.
4: Yeah, well, single single step for for many people equates to fifteen or an entire staircase, um, because as a power chair user myself, I'm I'm unable to negotiate a, a single step um but you know it, you guys as you said uh, have not come across this this uh, an issue uh with with a single step before but but i think um i can ask you one question um have you do you use an electric toothbrush
0: i do uh well uh, yeah yeah mine uh, i it comes with uh it's just one of those pre ones that has the double a batteries in it yeah
4: so you might be interested to know that an electric toothbrush was originally designed for someone with limited use of their hands. And I use this as an example to explain how when we design something for someone with a disability, we we all end up benefiting. And it's, it's that type of design that, that we really want to move forward with uh, to the point where um, all of our spaces that, that we enjoy can accommodate um all of us regardless of ability you know we've got this aging aging population that that really speaks to how at some point in our lives we we're all going to find ourselves in need of some sort of barrier-free amenity so uh this project is really really important it's it's getting people thinking about uh the issue and and really great possible solutions that that are beyond the stopgap measure um solutions that are that are permanent and well i'm hoping that one day we we won't have to paint them really bright colors Those just blend in invisibly to to our streetscape like a curb cut you know imagine a time in the up until the early 70s when curbs weren't cut at major intersections and, and now Mm-hmm. Now, now, we see,
1: now we see the yellow pads uh, that are being integrated. Those are for, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming, for uh, sight-impaired uh, individuals. And is there a benefit for those uh, with mobility issues like yourself? Luke, at those curb cuts that we're seeing, the uh, kind of dotted yellow uh, material, that's almost like a plastic at the intersection?
4: Right. So that's a tactile surface for, for people with, with vision loss. Um, those yeah sure that that could be a, a benefit for someone using a mobility aid like a like a wheelchair, but it, it's hard to imagine a time when when those when those things um didn't exist mm-hmm. and and there was a time uh, and again at, up until the early seventies uh, there were there weren't curb cuts at major intersections, so someone using a chair would have a very difficult time simply getting off the sidewalk in front of their house um so now those curb cuts are invisible features that just blend right into to our streetscape, and we don't even think about them anymore. They're they're just something we all benefit from, and and hopefully one day, you know, in Carmen, when they're when they're deciding to um, you know re, redo the sidewalk, perhaps the an option would be to raise the level of the sidewalk up at those those entryways with a single step, uh, so that there is a permanent fix um, instead of coming at it with a, a stopgap gap approach. But it's important to start the conversation somewhere. And that's, and that's what Dennis is helping us out with in Carmen. Um, and in over 40 different communities, we're, we're seeing this project adopted and, and implemented, starting this really, really important dialogue and discourse around the importance of a barrier-free society.
0: Why don't we pause this conversation, uh, gentlemen. We have on the line with us Luke Anderson, who is the founder of StopGap Foundation. He is joining us from Toronto. And we have Dennis Magatu, who is in, who is, uh, in Carmen, uh, where he ha- his company has stepped up to bring uh, over a dozen of these StopGap ramps to businesses in the area. we'll continue the conversation after your
1: forecast, which is up next. The website for the StopGap Foundation, stopgap.ca. We're speaking with Luke Anderson. He is the founder of StopGap. He himself has uh, limited mobilities. And he's in a... What kind of chair are you in there, Luke? You've got a pretty fancy machine there.
4: I use a... A
1: power chair, yeah. Power okay. chair, okay. And so Luke is one of these individuals who said, you know what? I'm facing some difficulty. Uh, it means others are as well. And as opposed to uh, whining and complaining, he's put together uh, a group, an organization that's uh, making a difference. And our good friend Dennis from Carmen has jumped in, and his company has built 13 ramps that they're going to deploy tomorrow in Carmen. But why don't you give your company a, a really big shout-out one more time, Dennis, because uh, their generosity is obviously key in this.
10: All right. Well, we're, we're based out of Winkler. Uh, and it's SWM, and we're purchasers and processors of flax straw. So we uh, we buy the straw from the farmer and then process it, and we take the fiber out of the straw and ship it to a paper mill in New Jersey to make fine paper out of it. Uh, we have roughly thirty employees year round, and then uh, in the fall we bring on contractors to do all the all the work uh, out on the uh, farmer's land to bring the crop in for us. Eh? So
0: is that what so we had?
10: We we had all. All of the employees. It was great to see all the employees that we have here. They all participated with the construction and the finishing of the product that, uh, that you saw in those pictures.
0: Dennis, is that where we reached you today in Winkler? That's exactly right. Okay, yeah, well, I'm at the office today, yes. My apologies. I had earlier said we reached you in Carmen. The website, by the Stores. way, swmintl.com. So, Dennis, Correct. you saw this on TV that, that Manitoba was late to the party, the last one to the party on this, had not arrived to the party and made you step up, um, is we're kind of not... Manitoba's usually sort of at the forefront of trying to, to help people. Is that what really triggered you to take action here?
10: It was, yeah. When I, when I saw the, the the show, the episode, and then I went on site and I saw that Manitoba was not involved where all the other provinces are across Canada, I was thinking... Well, that's not right. We should be doing something about this situation. And so then I got texting. This was, uh, I got emailing Luke back in November of 2016. And when I started this project and then uh, I left it alone for the winter and then picked it up again this spring and then... uh, thought carmen's a good place to to get things going nice to have the publicity to to uh, bring the issues you know the mobility issues to other communities that maybe with what they see happening here that they may take, a leader there may take it somewheres and and more ramps will be built in Manitoba.
1: Uh, Which means we need some in Winnipeg as well and other communities. Uh, Luke, last word to you. Tell us uh, how the response has been from Canadians in getting involved. This is clearly a a grassroots operation where uh, it's feet on the street, men and women who are taking action, and the kids absolutely adore what you're doing.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but much like how the kids get it, uh, people of all ages understand the, the issue when it's, when it's placed in front of them, when, when, they're, when they're, their awareness has been raised and they start to shift their, their perspectives around how they see things in their communities. And it's become much more than just ramps. It's, it's become uh, a focus on the language that we use and the mm-hmm. symbolism uh, that we use when referring to people with disabilities you know, that, that antiquated wheelchair access symbol that that we commonly see in parking lots and automatic door openers. That's a symbol that's over 50 years old. And there's, uh, you know, conversations now about what, what is to be uh, used in place of that. So there's proposed symbols that, that are more um, empowering and, and forward moving. Um, and, and again, yeah, language but by putting the person first and and not what uh, disability they may have. Um, it, it's really exciting to see uh, engagement from all from all across the country and, and beyond. And and this is a worldwide issue that that affects all of us. And um, it's work that that I I am uh, so looking forward to continuing and connecting with people like Dennis and, uh, in different parts of the country and beyond. So. Um, it, it's a passion of mine, that's for sure.
1: Luke, you're doing a great job. Dennis, uh, to you and your crew, thank you for doing this. Uh, please send us some pictures of uh, the deployment of the uh, the stopgap ramps tomorrow around Carmen. We really appreciate your time today and what you're doing for your community.
10: All right. Well, thank you very much, guys, for having me on and, and promoting such a worthwhile Uh, event. Thank
0: you. That is the voice of Dennis Magatou, or Denis Magatio. He is a straw purchase manager with SWM. Once again, their website is swmintl.com. And we were also speaking with Luke Anderson, who is the founder of StopGap Foundation. And once again, their website was stopgap.ca. You have the website open on your page there, Greg. I sure do. Is it stopgap.ca? You
1: got it perfect, brother. Okay. Global News at 2:30 is up next. I know quite often the sequel to the first movie is really tough to match up to the initial iteration of the movie: Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Better? As good? Not quite as good?
0: Uh, I liked it, but I, I'm going to say it was not as good, but that's only because it, it never stood a chance, because the, to me, the first movie was such a pleasant surprise that it doesn't matter what they did in the second one, the first one always would have had an edge for me. But I do think that just trying to be objective, the first movie was still, I think, a better story, but I still very much enjoyed the second one. I I don't have any real complaints with the second
1: one. Do you get to make uh, movies uh, three, four, and five unless the first two or three or four are pretty good? Uh,
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, not necessarily. I would no I would look at something like the Transformers movies, which are all mostly garbage and are more increasingly garbagey as time goes on. So yeah, that's an example of a movie that makes a lot of money and is not very good, but they just keep making tons and tons of money, so they keep making the movies.
1: Well, my analogy maybe just fell flat on its face. Book five of the Yellow Hoods, the day the sky fell is uh, now available. It's courtesy of our friend Adam Dries. He joins us now. Adam, I know that you live in Calgary. We catching up to you in uh, Calgary today? Yes, indeed. Good to have you on the show again. How are things going?
3: Things have just been crazy. Uh, I had Calgary Expo uh, two weekends ago, and then I just had uh, FanCon and Prince George. So I got home on Monday, and I'm slowly catching up on life.
0: So, The Day the Sky Fell is part five of the Yellow Hoods series. It's number one in the Calgary bestseller list. It's been selling quite well in other parts of Canada. So, for those, for the uninitiated, uh, and I think Greg's kids actually can count themselves amongst the initiated, can you tell us about the uh, Yellow Hoods series?
3: Uh, It's set in the equivalent of the 1800s at the point they're inventing the first steam engine. So you've got inventors and invention. And then I take apart classic nursery rhymes and fairy tales and I make them real. So I take something like Rub-A-Dub-Dub and I'll create a secret society that's long been led by butchers and bakers and candlestick makers, of course, called the Tub. Or (laughs) take apart the idea of Santa Claus as two brilliant inventors, you know, Christoph Kringle and Nicholas Claus.
0: That sounds great. And it says right on the cover of the book, Steampunk Meets... Fairy tale. Greg, did you, uh, both of your boys
1: read the? Yeah, and they absolutely loved them. So they're excited to know that this fifth book is coming out. So tell us about this one. Does it does it interconnect in any way with the first
6: uh, four?
3: Yes. So basically, what uh, what I've done throughout the series. Um, the first book is that seemingly innocent beginning, and then really with books two through five, you've got this expanding story arc. You've got more secret societies involved, and the rise of airships. So book five kind of brings this all to a really dramatic conclusion. And uh, I've had a number of fans, um, you know, coming up and going, "Wait a minute, are you are you seeing that that this is the end?" Um, and One of the things I decided to do from the beginning is, you know, I was always going to come back to this series, do some spinoffs, and then revisit the same characters years later. So this is the end of that initial kind of story arc. Uh, It ties in really well, nice dramatic conclusion. There's always lots of laughs and then kind of those moments that will have you on the edge of your seat. And I might be biased, but I personally think it has the best airship battles of any book. (laughs)
0: Well, hey, I I think it sounds great, and I still have... I've got a list of books that I need to read this summer, and at the top of the list, actually, for me, are some of your other books. Uh, The Wizard Killer, for example, is one of them, and The Man of Cloud Nine as well. You write a lot of books. It's just kind of hit me, like, geez, you write a lot of books.
3: Yeah, um, it's been nine books written and released since... uh beginning of 2014, you know, 25 years of doing nothing with it and then two medical events to get a stuffing out of you. How's a way of motivating?
1: You know, the first time we met you, you told us a little bit about the fact that you'd been sitting on these books and then you had a health scare and and that kind of motivated you. Why don't you uh, uh, give us a, a version of that story one more time, just so people can maybe learn from your experience when you're imagining doing something great, uh, don't let anything stand in your way, because you've done just that.
3: Well, yeah, thank you. Um, You know, we all have those ideas, those ambitions we want to get to, but, you know, for example, you're you're in school, or you're building your career, or you've just gotten married, or you've had a kid or a couple more kids, or you'll do it when you're retired. And, you know, I was writing these short stories and sharing them with a couple of friends, but not doing anything with it. And then um, I had an appendix situation that almost killed me, and it left me in, uh, in absolutely horrible pain for 15 months. I rolled the dice on having uh, scar tissue cut out, and it turned that from unbearable pain to, uh, to chronic pain I could live with, but I also came out of that with severe asthma. And um, I turned back to writing to deal with all that emotions. You know, a lot of us guys are really not great at having those kind of close friends that you can kind of drain that emotional swamp out. And for me, it was, it was some writing. And when I got those emotions kind of cleared, I realized, you know what, I'm not going to be an author someday. I'm going to do that now. And I had, you know, I only moved to Calgary, the, the year before at this point, my family was doing well, and I was leading a really important software project, and I thought, no, not someday, not I'll do this next year. This is starting right now, and I'm going to build the publishing company along with it because I'm not going to wait three years to hear if I'm any good or if I'm absolutely terrible. And so I treated it like my high-tech startup, and threw everything I had into it, and I released two books that first year, and I still remember being shocked when they both uh, ended up on the Calgary Herald bestseller list. And then, you know, going into that next year, two more books, and then seeing them hit number one on Amazon and steampunk and fairy tale. And then, you know, when you start having these fan letters come in, and this year was unbelievable. At my launch, I think we had 14 yellow hoods, meaning 14 kids between ages 9 and 18 showed up, dressed up as, Yellow hoods for the launch party, and I, I was expecting maybe one or two. One of those being my daughter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 humility and that that modesty that is part of your persona uh, at every threshold, do you find yourself reminding yourself about your beginnings, and do you have to uh, give yourself permission to accept the the uh, the, the 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 joy and the acclamation that you're getting?
3: You know, it's it's a really hard thing to um, for two reasons. One, you know, uh, folks like a lot of us, you just keep focusing on okay, well, you're running, so you don't you don't do really well at stopping and appreciating what you've accomplished. Um, But I was at this uh, celebrity um, charity event in Prince George, and you know, there was Carl Urban, who's Uh, Len McCoy in the new Star Trek movies, and he's been Judge Dredd, and So he's one of the celebrities that are there. And um, a number of people from uh, the convention have been invited, and I I was at that event. And, you know, know, he's a celebrity, Kevin Sorbo from from Hercules and Andromeda fame. they're, They're celebrities, and I had the chance to talk with Carl for a couple of minutes. And then about five minutes later, somebody comes up to me and says, hey, um, I just finished your Wizard Killer book, and it really was amazing. And now I've just kind of gone from that role of being fan to being a micro-celebrity. And, um, you know, it was amazing. I have moments like that. I have moments like um, uh, several months ago I was at a book signing, and uh, there was a gentleman hanging around in the background, kind of in his late 20s, kind of scraggly beard, roughed up, um, uh, Military jacket, and then um, when I had kind of a quiet moment, he came up and he pointed out my books and said, "You know, uh, uh, I I really like your books." And he didn't look like the kind of person who usually reads my books. But you know, one of the definite things that I've learned is, you know, don't assume. So I just said, "Where'd you read them?" And he said, "At the at the cancer center. Um, uh, They helped get me through my chemo. I read them, I don't know, a whole bunch of times." And it's like, and I, I. you know, you just kind of choke up, and he says, "You know, please don't, don't ever stop writing, because those were really important to me." So on one side you get kind of the, you know, the the mini celebrity moment, and then another one you get that moment where you've touched somebody's life because of something you made up, and those moments kind of really sit with me, and I still make you know plenty of time whether I'm at a convention or the school talks I was doing or. Earlier today, just responding to emails for people who are aspiring authors, whether they're, they're kids or they're adults, I, I think I try to stay grounded by always making sure to give those people the time, and I owe it to them to kind of listen and don't, don't ignore those special golden moments that show up, because when I'm going to be feeling those times when I'm kind of running dry on fuel, i just got to remember those, and it's going to stock me back up.
0: Adam Drees, just hang on a second. got to check our forecast. We want to continue our conversation. Adam Drees is in Calgary. He's one of our pals. We met him last year when Comic-Con was in town. He's all over the place all the time pumping his books. His latest one is Book 5 of The Yellow Hoods, The Day the Sky Fell. These are immensely popular books with young people across Canada. And you can find it on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, iBooks, Google Play, something called Smashwords, all over the place. You can get your hands on this book online, and it's going to soon be available in Winnipeg on store shelves. But for now, you can only get it online. We'll talk more about the book and more about Adam's story. Once again, his name is Adam Dries. He has a website, AdamDreese.com. Your forecast is coming up next.
1: on this Wednesday afternoon. I'm Greg. He's Brett. Adam Dries joins us from Calgary. He is an author and speaker, one of our favorite guests, quite frankly. The last time we spoke with Adam, Amazon had unceremoniously dropped his book uh, preventing it uh, from sale. I think within about 24 hours, 30 hours or so, Adam, you had that all rectified, but it was a piece of drama. I'm sure you could live without and hope to never go down that road again. Have have things been uh, better with Amazon since the last time we spoke?
3: Yeah, there's nothing like um, seeing everything get yanked off and then getting the personal phone call and apology. Um, but yeah, everything's been good since then. And actually, one of the great things was... Uh, you know, the folks over at Kobo having uh, reached out um, during that crisis and even actually gone so far as to buy um, copies of my books that were still on their site. So that was, uh, that was really nice of them. So I give them a little shout out. Uh, but, yeah, things have gone back all to normal. All my books were available um, on Amazon, uh, yeah, within 48 hours. But it took having to, you know, do a, a Twitter storm on, um, on Amazon's account and, and uh, Jeff Bezos, their CEO's account as well. Uh, to do that. And that's a shame. Not everybody can do that. Um, since then, I've become a little bit of a magnet for anybody going through those kind of issues, and it's been helpful to them, apparently, because of the videos that I put up and uh, blog posts that i had uh, done, to let them know, hey, this is, this is what you should do. You don't just kind of sit there quietly. You follow up. You send any information you can. Uh, you absolutely stay diligent. On, uh, and on top of this, you don't you know, just sit back and wait for them to get back to you um, in the event this was a mistake. So, yeah, unnecessary fun, but it definitely inspired me to work twice as hard.
0: Well, and working twice as hard, I'm just looking at your website here, and I see, for example, uh, add just if you go to the homepage, adamdreese.com, there's a thing on the bottom right, add me on Goodreads, follow me on Twitter, like me on Facebook, watch me on YouTube, connect on Instagram, find me on LinkedIn. You are a hustler, really. Like, you I... never stop hustling.
3: <laughs> well, you know what? Um, it doesn't matter if you write a great book or a great series if nobody knows it exists. Mm-hmm. No, so it's very true. much it's about reach. And it's the same reason that I do, you know, a lot of events to meet people in person, let them know. And as much as I can, I try to use uh, social media to help get the word out.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're an entrepreneur in the truest sense of the word and, and, and writing just happens to be your skill and your vocation. And so marketing, uh, that skill is absolutely critical. Getting the word out about what you've accomplished, what you've built, what you've created is essential. So maybe some advice for traditional entrepreneurs. And, and I know that you've mentioned in the past, the support you get from your family, you couldn't be doing this without the support you get at home.
3: Oh, Absolutely. And, you know, whether that's my, uh, my kids asking me, you know, when the next book's coming out or asking me how it's going or my wife who, you know, went from that kind of more passive um, support role in the beginning, you know, like, to, you know, open to, uh, to me doing it and supporting me and then getting more and more involved to where, you know, she cheers me on. And um, actually, she did the, uh, the Wizard Killer uh, book covers. Um, you know, finding the art, composing, doing all of that. So, you know, she's right in there uh, with me in the thick of times. Um, probably the biggest advice that I give to, um, to other entrepreneurs, uh, and in particular um, other uh, independent authors or self-published authors, first you have to give yourself permission to make a mess. Sometimes people are so locked up in needing everything to be perfect that they don't realize, you know, if you make a bit of a mess, that's worth a million times more than perfection locked up in your head. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, focus matters. And, you know, I know some, some folks who try to be, um, you know, they try to have books out and write apps, and they've got, I'm not, ex- I'm not exaggerating, they've got jams that they sell, and they've got like 50 other things. And they kind of push all of those maybe an inch forward, but, you know, if they just put that focus into one or maybe two things, they could move it several feet instead. And so they feel really spread thin, and it, it's because they are. And it's hard to let something go, but sometimes you just, you gotta let those other things go so you could give yourself a chance. At being successful with something.
0: I like how you meant you used the word spread thin after talking about jams, by the way. That's the <laughs> the writer and you clearly coming out. There's something also on your website here uh, that popped up. It says the three sides of Adam Dries because there's the yellow hoods, the man on cloud nine, and the wizard killer. Can you sort of explain how that's the three sides of Adam Dries?
3: Sure. I mean, the yellow hoods. I write that as much for adults as for kids, and I lovingly call it, it's my cheeky and poignant side. So, you know, you've got some punny humor, um, you've got some really touching moments, and you've got kind of this ensemble of accessible characters, young ones, middle-aged ones, ones in advanced years, all playing critical role. And then you've got the wizard killer. And this is my, I affectionately call it my adrenaline junkie or my popcorn book. You know, it's set in a fantasy world that's had its own apocalypse. The main character comes back from the dead for the third time at the very beginning. He's a little annoyed about it now, Um, and so you know, it's got an intensity almost like a John McClane from Die Hard kind of feel. And it's, it, it really has you in that moment. And there's no real humor other than occasional sarcasm, but it's got a real kind of creep feel to it. So having that really intense action on every page, I even called it season one and the new one that just released season two because I write them episodically as if you were reading an intense 30-minute binge TV show episode. So that's kind of, for me... uh, truly a a different side rather than kind of patient and all this layering of story you know it's the 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 ex gamer well i really shouldn't use x but you know the gamer in me uh, all the way back to that little kid who used to play dungeons and dragons and then the man of cloud nine is is science fiction it is set 70 years from now and it's at a time when the world really has no stomach for big ideas and innovation and change it's all about you know your community and helping and now and to be a silicon valley style genius in that era is really like to be in a prison because everywhere you want to go with your idea you just you face people saying no and if you're strong enough to be able to move those mountains of opposition you know there is a really strong backlash to that. And if you are not truly ruthless, it'll become your Achilles heel. So for me, that was my sci-fi side. It's bringing my, you know, my 20 years of software, my Silicon Valley experience, all of that out. But more importantly, it also kind of brings a little bit of that, that corporate feel, that pushing against everything when the odds are very much against you. And that strongest idea that there are some things in your life that you will not give up right almost no matter the consequence and so for me that that kind of almost cold intensity that's the third side. So you have the cheeky and poignant, the all-action junkie, and then almost that kind of cerebral side.
0: Well, Adam Drees, thank you so much for sharing all of that and for bringing these books into the world. You can get more information, adamdrees.com. His latest books are The Day the Sky Fell. The Yellow, that's part of the Yellow Hood series number five. And season two of The Wizard Killer is now available as well. Once
1: again, adamdrees.com. 307. Wednesday afternoon, you ever, get the, you ever get the feeling they're making it up as they go along down in Washington, D.C.? Yep. Getting ready to watch the hockey game last night. Senators, Rangers, congratulations to all those Senators fans out there. Oh, not one of them. Don't count myself as one of them. Uh, They are on their way to the Eastern Conference Final. They'll face the winner of tonight's Game 7 between Pittsburgh and Washington, and of course the Oilers tonight going up against the Anaheim Ducks in the other Game 7. So it's a huge night for hockey fans this evening. But as big a game as it was last night between the Rangers and the Senators, I was on CNN almost all night flipping between Fox, CNN, and CNBC to get the lowdown on this James Comey firing and how he'd found out and the just justification, and then, of course, inevitably the comparisons between uh, uh, Nixon and the Saturday Night Massacre, and uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how it all uh, sorts itself out, but it just feels as though they're making it up as they go along down there. Sean Spicer wasn't even uh, facing the media today. He, he sent somebody else out to to face the music, as it were. Another politician facing the music, and see, you got to be careful what you ask for, because the NDP... Not what, 48 hours ago, making noise, Andrew Swan standing up in the legislature asking Premier Brian Pallister to tell us how he stays in touch with Manitobans and, uh, more importantly, the people in his inner circle while he's in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Premier said no. It's a matter of security. I'm not going to tell you. There have been FIPA uh, requests filed and denied with the same question. And then... The revelation today of an NDP MLA, Rob Altemeyer, racking up a $5,000 phone bill. Now, I don't think there was any malice involved here. I think it was just something that happened because I think we've all been in a situation where we got a phone bill that we didn't expect. But you know what? I don't know if I'm more upset about the fact that this guy rang up a $5,000 phone bill or didn't realize that if he just made a suitable arrangement... He coulda had talk roam like home stuff. I don't know who his provider is for ten bucks a day in yeah. in Mexico. I think I'm more upset about that, yeah the fact that he didn't know that
0: in this day and age, I would like to think, and I shouldn't you can't assume, but I would like to think that anybody who would the kind anybody who would use their phone that much right. abroad probably has a smartphone which means they probably know at least a little bit about what kind of a phone plan they have like my parents they've they've got flip phones they never use them so they would never get into this kind of a trouble or kind of a mess if they if they traveled abroad cuz they would never use their phone right. but i i have kind of made that mistake i want to say about 7 years ago I went to minnesota and I didn't have, I still didn't have a smartphone. I just had a flip phone at the time. But my girlfriend had a an iPhone and we needed to call up Google Maps or something. So we used the Google Maps and we may ended up making a fairly regular habit of it, thinking that it wouldn't be a big deal. When the bill came in, it was almost 600 bucks. Holy man. Now, to be fair, we had, we just investigated it. Sure we could have found out but at the time it was one of those things that the phone companies were not making all that public it was like this oh yeah 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 we ha- we we have uh roaming plans for if you leave the country yeah we can do that for you whereas now it's advertised as you mentioned the roam like home that all that stuff that's fairly common knowledge right they they ended up cutting our bill in half because I, th- I think a lot of people were getting nailed like that but that i i admit fully you know how i that scene in Guardians of the Galaxy I am Groot. I am Groot. Well, for me, it's I am dumb. I am dumb. I didn't take the second to look into it. But that that was seven years ago. Right. Now things have changed. The rules have changed. Phone companies have to be more upfront about all this stuff. Yeah, And if you go to Mexico and spend $5,000 on your bill, what are you doing?
1: And if you're uh, like, don't you expect your MLAs and people that are representing the everyman to have a little bit, to be a little bit more in touch with what's going on in the real world? To realize that all you have to do is phone your provider, find out, hey, I'm going to Mexico for two weeks or a month or whatever the number is. Uh, I want to make sure I don't and I want to be able to use my phone. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. And surely there could have
0: someone in his circle if he didn't know it. And hey, maybe he really had just no idea, but you'd think someone would have been able to figure that out for him. That's a lot of money. I really wonder what was going on with that phone.
1: Well, you to know, rack up a $5,000. know what would be awesome, Brett, is if we could ask Mr. Altemeyer about it and find out how it ended up being five grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not talking to anybody.
0: The NDP rejected interview requests yesterday, but a caucus spokeswoman says Altemeyer inadvertently racked up high roaming charges while on vacation in Mexico. She said he filed his expense claim with the expectation he would have to repay much of it
1: michael's telling me to block cnn on my tv no i won't do that michael john saying watch the flip phone jokes i still have one and we'll be getting two more i had a bag phone back in the day boy i remember those one bill was sixteen hundred dollars i was in chicago a lot
0: i want to should clarify john to john and anybody else with a flip phone i'm not making jokes about flip phones if you've got a flip phone i i
1: salute you I wish I could go back to the flip phone.
0: If you have a flip phone, then you're, you are not addicted to information. Yeah, I praise I, you. I have said this before and I'll say it again. I am trying to get into the habit at home of leaving my phone in the kitchen or anywhere, not in the living room. I don't want it beside me while I'm trying to watch television because it's always there beckoning me, look something up on Google, <laughs> do,
1: do something on the cell phone. So yeah, if you have a flip phone, good for you. Last night, I was on Twitter. I was on Google, Facebook, watching the hockey game and watching CNN, Fox, and uh, uh, CNBC all at once. And it was just information overload, but I couldn't get enough information fast enough on what was going on in the hockey game because that was kind of secondary. But on this Comey stuff, it was absolutely fascinating. Last night, and then to top it all off, The election in British Columbia, I was up until one o'clock listening to CKNW coverage and watching Global out of Vancouver. Thank you, time shifting. Thank you, Shaw Cable.
0: You are, you're like an auric vacuum of information. You just, you got to suck it all up.
1: I need it all, baby. I need it all. Oh yeah. And I watched Stephen Colbert and the Daily Show reunion as well. It was uh, quite the night, probably about a week worth of television crammed in about six hours last night.
0: We have stuff to give away. We are going to do that after we have a look at traffic and then weather. Up next.
1: 318. Just really quick. Uh, I did say with no malice on the par- part of Altamire. he made it really clear when he handed in his bill that he wasn't expecting to be reimbursed for the $5,000. I want to make it really clear. He just didn't try and slide it through. He knew that things weren't right. Uh, he had to file and uh, put his cell phone bin, a bill through. He made it very clear that he was negotiating, A, to get it down and that he would be taking care of it himself. Traditionally, his cell phone bill is about 60 bucks a month.
0: Yeah, the, the headline is Manitoba Politician promises to repay big cell phone bill racked up in Mexico. So yeah.
1: And yeah. and he's not repaying it because he got caught trying to submit it as an expense. Just so we're clear here. There was no uh there was he was just dumb. <laughs> he, he wasn't <laughs> he, he he wasn't trying to be dishonest.
0: It is prize time involving Y2J. <laughs> Welcome to Jericho! We have two beat the box office tickets to Chris Jericho, The Words of Jericho, Friday, August 25th at the Club Region Event Center. And today's question involves Chris Jericho's band. Yes, he's in a band, a metal band.
5: All hail the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller!
0: So here is today's trivia. I think somebody's just calling in on a... Oh, man, they're not supposed to be calling that line. Today's trivia, we need you to name the band as well as this song, and I'll let it play for a few seconds. All right. So you need to name the band and the song. Jeff, you can put that back up to its regular level there. And I need you to name the album that the song is on. I'm gonna crack the lines now. 204-780-6868. Again, I need you to name Chris Jericho's band. Need this name the song that is playing right now, and name the album that it appears on. 204-780-6868. While Jeff Fortier is dealing with that. Greg, I will hand this over to you. We have a few seconds to talk about the Curios Mother's Day. We've been asking you to submit your entries at CJOB.com, Why Your Mom is Awesome. And today's story comes from Janice Cournoyer.
1: I hope I said that correctly. I think you did. Based on my hockey knowledge, you said it absolutely perfect. Yvonne Cournoyer, the legendary Montreal Canadiens player, mm. spelt exactly the same way. My fondest memory of my mother was her getting up at six in the morning, leaving five kids at home sleeping and driving me to the other side of our small village so I could feed and clean out my horse. It was our time together and I loved having her to myself. She gave up a couple hours of sleep for me and with a huge busy family, I really see how that was an act of love and sacrifice. So thank you for that story, Janice. Thank you to Janice's mom for making that and creating that memory for Janice that she clearly carries with her to this day. Very special memories for Janice.
0: So, Janice, you and your mom are going to see Cirque du Soleil Curios. It's starting June 2nd under the big top at Sterling Lion Parkway and Keniston. And we have two more pairs of tickets to give away before the week is out regarding Curios, our Mother's Day contest. You can go to cjob.com for more information on that. And do we have a winner yet? Oh, Jeff Forte says we no no winners yet. Okay. I'm going to have to play the clip again. Here we go. We need you to name the band. And fans of Jericho should know this. But if you, you name the band, the song, and the album that this is on. Here we go.
1: Wow, I figured you'd have to be a pretty good fan just to know the name of his band. I, I, well. You are, you are really looking for serious fans. Yeah, maybe. I like that.
0: Maybe I'm iron being an iron fist on this one today, but.
1: Ah, We can't just let these things go willy nilly. They're far too
0: valuable. That's true, yeah. Maybe it's just because I saw his band. I saw them play at, was it Cowboys at the time? It may have still been the Coliseum. You remember the previous iteration of Cowboys at Canada's Windsor Park? I think it was because it was Boogie Boogie Nights, Nights, but I think after Boogie Nights, it was the Coliseum. That sounds about right. And when you walked in, there was this weird, creepy voice that would say, Welcome to the Coliseum! (laughs) You're joking me. I'm not. I think I was living in Alberta or British Columbia. All right, so hopefully we had a winner at 204-780-6868. A quick look at your forecast is coming up next.
1: Mackling and McGarry, where listeners become winners. Norma's on her way to see you two in Vancouver Friday night. Big deal. She qualified for that getaway to see you two right here on Mackling and McGarry. And uh, we gave away some. Jericho tickets in the last 20 minutes or so.
0: Indeed, and today's was a little bit of a tough one. Jeff Forte and Master Control actually requested to play the music again because in order to win the Beat the Box office tickets to Chris Jericho, The Words of Jericho, Friday August 25th at Club Region Event Center you needed to be able to not only identify the name of Chris Jericho's band, but you had to be able to name this song Hang on, let me play this one And you also had to identify the album from which this song comes from. Want to make sure that this goes to a Jericho fan. And the answer is going to be well, the band is called Fozzie. The song is called To Kill a Stranger. And the album is called Happenstance from the year 2002. You didn't need to know the year though, but uh, you threw that
1: in. Yeah, just bonus for, information. Just,
0: yeah, indeed. So there you go. And we want to congratulate Greg Kostevko, who has won prizes before on Maclean and McGarry. Well done, Greg. We appreciate your continued listenership and good for you for knowing the answer to this one. Enjoy the words of Jericho. And once again, by the way, there is a presale for that.
1: I stole your paper okay? because I'm on the Ticketmaster website. I wanted to be able to just walk our listeners through the whole process. Okay. And so you do go to ticketmaster.ca. Then you look up Chris Jericho, Club Regent Event Center, Winnipeg, Manitoba. And then just before where you select the quantity and the type of tickets that you'd like, there's a little question there. It says, got an offer code. You click on that, and then you type in Jericho, all capitals, J-E-R-I-C-H-O. And if I have to tell you how to spell Jericho, you're probably not going to buy the tickets in the first place. <laughs> but that's what you've got to do if you'd like to uh, beat the box office in a different way and cough up with uh, your own money. And if you've not been to the Club Region Event Center, is is actually actually spectacular beautiful room great spot the seats are super comfortable it'll be a cool place uh, to check out this show featuring chris jericho the words of jericho along with special guests cyrus and lance storm of uh, wrestling fame i guess they're just gonna chit chat are they gonna throw each other around on the stage i'm guessing no oh, well given that it's called the words of jericho i would think that well that's boring <laughs> isn't it <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> that's a good. That's a good crop, though. Cyrus I uh, was always big on the local wrestling circuit. That's right. Lance Storm is also Canadian, so it's a good group of oh, well-spoken is... Canadian wrestling extraordinaries.
1: I guess they're going to share some wisdom and some stories, and that, that should be really cool. Are you going to go to that? I think I probably should. I think we should probably go to yeah. that. Yeah, it's. I don't normally go to events, but this is
0: one of those things where I feel like, yeah, if I miss this one, I think I'm going to be regretful. So
1: I anticipate that you're right. August uh, 25th, by the way. It is a Friday night, so you have uh, very few excuses unless you can't get a babysitter that night. Hey, uh, of all the James Comey FBI stuff... You caught me on my phone when you were you went out to uh take care of some business. You came back in and you started laughing. Yep. Because of course I'm on my phone. I'm trying to see the latest, greatest things going on. This is the latest, greatest thing. It's five hours old right now from CBS News. Uh, but Elizabeth, uh da, 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 da of correspondent. I don't know her last name. Where's her name go? Anyway, she caught up to Vladimir Putin. He likes to play hockey like he's a like a regular hockey player in Sochi. He was going on the ice, and this is like totally planned, right? And um, anyway, bottom line is uh, from CBS News, they ask Vladimir Putin, he's dressed up like he looks like Jacob truba uh, ready to go out on the ice here at this game in Sochi, and asks how the Comey firing will affect Moscow-Washington relations. Russia.
9: How will the firing of James Comey
1: affect U.S.-Russia relations?
10: There will be
0: no
1: Your question so, looks very funny for me. <laughs> Your question looks very funny for me. Nice. So, you know, Putin is one of those classic guys. It's like he's total swarmy guy, right? He's like, you meet up, you know, you've got, oh, you know, you're going to meet Putin or whatever. Oh, yeah. And then you meet him. I, this guy charmed the money out of your wallet. I think he stole the, the one of the... Rings from the owner of the the Super Bowl ring of uh, Robert Kraft, Bob Kraft of the uh, of the New England Patriots. They met at some event. No, oh, this is a very nice ring. Maybe I try it on. Yes, and then and boy, he took it. He walked away. They had to. He had to go after him and say, "Hey, dude, that's my Super Bowl <laughs> ring. I like it back, please." <laughs> It was Elizabeth Palmer, by the way, who was in Sochi and uh, caught up to uh, Russian uh, president, ruler, supreme Vladimir Putin and says, eh, it's no big deal about that. When they call me nothing, it's no big deal. Your question looks funny to me. Uh, no, no, nothing. It's nothing. <laughs>
0: Something like that. I'm paraphrasing now. Well said, Mr. Greg. And we're going to have a look at the traffic situation. We'll have a look at your forecast situation. And then we'll find out what the situation is from 4 to 7 with the news from Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham. All coming up next. I'm Greg. He's
1: Brett. And we're just telling the story about how Vladimir Putin absconded with Robert Kraft's Super Bowl ring. He still... Has it? He's That's a thief. Kraft never got it back. I he's was not wondering a, if he ever got it back. He's
6: not a good neighbor.
1: He's not. a. Uh, uh, this is crazy. In 2005, Kraft was on business in Russia, and he visited Russian President Putin, and they just gotten their uh, 2004 Super Bowl ring, showed it to Putin, and, uh well, here's how it goes. I took out the ring, I showed it to him, and he put it on, and he goes, I can kill someone with this ring. I put out my hand, he put it in his pocket, and three KGB guys got around him and walked out. So, there you go. Putin has a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> don't take your jewelry off in to, front of Putin.
7: That's one way to get it. Yeah, He's that not ring, a good
1: neighbor. I don't, a ring. I don't know what you're talking about. Julie, what are you talking about Rich today? is
7: trying to drop hints about one thing that we're talking about, and that is neighbors. The mayor has said we're going to celebrate being neighbors on the 27th of May and encouraging people to go out and say hello and talk to their neighbors. Something that a lot of people generally don't do. Really? Yes. Oh, Not sure. so much in my neighborhood, but I know that that is a case for a lot of people. Okay. And so we decided to find out what makes a good neighbor. We'll have Lou Bayer on from <laughs> civilityexperts.com. And she'll give us some tips on how to be a good neighbor.
6: Meanwhile, I want to do some... He's going to the dark side <laughs> about nasty neighbors. Oh, okay, fair enough. I want to know your nasty neighbor stories. I saw
7: and there, I saw a prime example on a street in uh, a neighborhood that I used to live in. That if I was next door to these people, I would not be happy. So we'll find out uh, exactly how we can be good neighbors. We'll try to be neighborly and give away some Krista Berg tickets as we continue our red themed giveaway this week.
0: Well, the uh, would you consider? Us to be good neighbors, or because we, you, you know, yeah, there's always some, some playful, uh, some, yeah. Yeah.
1: some, sometimes ten... fence, you know. Yeah, yeah you throwing your garbage cans every once <laughs> yeah, in a exactly. while. That doesn't make me a bad neighbor, does it? <laughs> I'll take them out to the road for you once in a while, but no,
6: you haven't poisoned us
1: every so
0: often. <laughs> If that's the mark of
1: excellence,
7: <laughs> we're doing just well, fine. we got to set the bar low. I think you we're know, doing
6: just fine. Yeah, you, you you know, you haven't cut my trees down. You haven't built a fence on my property. Oh, boy. Richard you know? has
1: <laughs> some stories saved up that he's going to share with us mm-hmm. later on, I think. Mm. You have well, poisoned
6: how... my dog. But
7: you know what? A lot of the neighborhoods, let's, let's be serious for a second. A lot of the neighborhoods, particularly the new ones, you have a lot less property between yourselves. That's true. And that is is just rife for problems so
6: well in this case it's what happens if your neighbor decides to blow their lawn apart and put rocks there
7: this is my example right they use the rocks to become part of their driveway and now they're parking perpendicular to their actual driveway Mm, would you like someone's car
6: and drainage is a huge in your front yard Between oh, well, the, Gigantic.
7: The whole issue. rock thing is, people have been doing that now for a while because they did not want to mow, but rocks is one thing. Parking your car on your front lawn, at,
6: lawn. Oh, it's on your front gravel. On your front yeah.
7: rocks is, yeah. to me, is pushing it. But if
6: your sump pump is draining into my yard. Yeah, that's not good neighbor. That's a bad neighbor. I'm going to find a way to hook up another sump pump and drain it onto your
1: oh, yard. you're a communicator, knock on the door and just say, hey, can we... I've already done this.
6: I've already done this, and they said, "No, we don't want to do this." Really? Not not me. I'm just being the hypothetical.
1: I've got an idea for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It involves a drill with a bit that goes right through concrete. Good neighbor. Precisely. You know what? Those bendy sort of uh, uh, hoses that are attached to your sump pump—they bend. They can go right back
6: in. There you go. Good neighbor. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Greg's a saboteur. No kidding. I thought in this partnership. You were the saboteur, mm, I'm Gary. too lazy. Look, if
1: you can't talk it out, <laughs> I'll provide an example that makes it really clear why you need to fix it and why you need to fix it now. But I've got great neighbors. I've, I, have as do I. have amazing neighbors, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we don't move, quite frankly, is because we couldn't get better neighbors. I'm not talking about you, Fortier. You live far enough away that you have zero effect on my life outside of this place, so... <laughs> <laughs> Fort is all excited because we live in the same neighborhood. He thought I was talking about him. I'm not. Oh, well, he's still happy anyway. Big he's smile a great on guy. Love him. Uh, by the way, someone uh, pointed out some useless uh, Putin facts. The biggest one, he speaks perfect English, but insists on using an interpreter. And uh, you can totally tell he knows the questions every single time. he likes time.
7: to pose with his shirt off yeah. a
1: lot. Yeah, that's, hey, I look like him. How old is he? Almost, he must be around 60 is going to be walking around here without a shirt on any day now. I'm ready for that one. <laughs> He's gonna come in here just See you with, later.
0: with WPG cycle just tattooed <laughs> yep, to his chest. Yep,
1: exactly. <laughs> that's it. that's all we got, eh, Rich? That's all it is. That's all you have to say.
0: Richard Cluche, thank you so much. Julie Buckingham, thank you so much. The news from four until seven on six eighty CJOB. Thanks to Greg Mackling, thanks to Jeff Forte and Master Control, and thank you to listening to six eighty CJOB. And once again, congratulations to Greg Kastefko, who won our Chris Jericho tickets, and Janice Coonway, who won one, the Cirque du Soleil Curios Cabinet of Curiosities tickets. And we have more stuff to give away tomorrow and on Friday on Mackling & McGarry on 680-CJOB.